You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for him. We pray this episode blesses you, impacts you, and fills you with kingdom purpose. Well, this is it, church family. This is the last Sunday in our home church series. And can I just say, I've loved going through home church with you. Uh, This series easily makes my top three list of favorite sermon series I have ever taken us through. And I think what I, I love most about it is how it all just fits together. I love how one topic sets the stage for the next. And we have this layered building blocks effect going on. Because in our home church series, we've been addressing the question, how does the church continue to thrive when it can't gather as the church? And we've seen that everything we do on a Sunday morning should be in addition to what we are already doing at home. Reading scripture, prayer, worship, service to others are things that we should be doing at home before we ever step into a church building. And we started the series off talking about how sometimes we can have a codependent relationship with going to church. Sometimes we can think that we can't continue to grow in our faith unless we gather at the church. And we decided together that no, right? That's not going to be us. God isn't waiting until we can gather again to continue growing and developing us as his body, as his church. He wants to do that work right now. And we believe that right now, every home has a pastor. Every home has a worship leader. Every home has an intercessor. And every home can be the starting point for where God's people love and serve others. Would you just say yes and amen to that? Isn't that so good? And then the the second week, we hung out on the topic of Scripture savoring scripture. We concluded that the starting point of our growth, our development as followers of Jesus, should be reading scripture. Because reading scripture is is about getting to know the person and character of Jesus. Then the third week, we built on that foundation of scripture and focused on prayer, friending God. Because once you get to know Jesus through scripture, prayer is about uh, our opportunity to cultivate communion and union with Jesus. And that communion and union with Jesus ultimately leads to worship, to, to the gravity of worship, that lifestyle of praise, adoration, and reverence to Jesus. Worship is, is about making life all about and because of Jesus. Do, do you see how scripture, prayer, and worship are just layers on top of each other in the life of a follower of Jesus? Practicing these three disciplines are essential in what it means to be a Christian, not just at church, but in your, our homes. But there's one more layer we need to add, and that's the layer of service to others. Because if reading scripture is about getting to know Jesus, if prayer is about cultivating communion and union with Jesus, and if worship is about making life 
all about and because of Jesus, then service to others is when we get to practice being like Jesus. And that's so exciting. And yes, Jesus knew the scriptures. Yes, Jesus prayed often. Yes, Jesus made God his Father the center of his universe. These are significant markers of Jesus' life. But you can't look at Jesus' life without seeing how amazing of a servant he was. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, that he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And if we are to practice being like Jesus, then that means we are to practice, hone, and refine humble and loving service to others in our everyday lives. And so the title of today's message is School of Servitude. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this series, our home church series. We thank you that that you aren't waiting for us to gather back together to do a mighty work in us. But throughout this entire time uh, in this series, you've been doing a great work. And God, we pray that in this final week, you would just build upon the foundation that's already been laid. God, I pray that you would inspire us to to love others, to uh, serve people in humility, God, ultimately so that we can um, see the world changed through that. And Lord, we pray that you just open our eyes to who you are, Jesus, how you live so that we can model that example and we can be your hands and feet in the world around us. So Jesus, we thank you for what you're going to do in this time. We love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, so um, we're going to school today, the, the school of servitude. But like I said, probably the biggest and most obvious characteristic of Jesus's life is that he was a servant. And I can point you to many scriptures in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that either point to Jesus as a servant or show Jesus talking about what it means to be a servant. And I would say, if you really want to learn what service looks like, uh, then take a, a screenshot or a picture of this screen right here. This is your homework for the week. What I want you to do is, is spend the week reading through these scriptures that talk about serving and, is, and specifically talk about Jesus as a servant. Maybe practice the SOAP or 4Rs method of reading scripture on these verses. And I promise you, you will get a crash course in the school of servitude from the master of service, Jesus himself. Because Jesus really did teach on and talk about service to others on so many different occasions. And in his teachings, he he didn't just talk about them as good ideas to think about, which is what I think often happens in the church, but he always petitioned and commissioned his listeners to actually go and serve others, to not just love people with words, but also in deed, which is what John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. One thing that, that non-believers find problematic about believers is that we talk a lot, but do very little. We talk a lot about serving people, taking care of those in need, feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, and so on. But we do very little of that is what many non-believers find frustrating with the church. 
And so to put some power and authority and credibility behind what he taught about serving others, Jesus actually lived a life of serving others. Jesus defied that old saying that those who can't teach do and those who can't do teach because Jesus taught it and he walked it in his everyday life, even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus lived a life of service to others. And so Jesus taught about service to others and he lived a life of service to others with the purpose of modeling a life of service to others so we would follow his example. And John 13 is where we see Jesus act as a servant and wash all of the disciples' feet. And in communicating why he was doing it, he said in John chapter 13, verse 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus goes on to say in the following verses that if he, as the master, is willing to live as an example of service to others, then why would we live as students or why would we as students think we are above what the master is doing? Now, you might remember that we started a book study on spiritual disciplines by author Dallas Willard not too long ago. We're actually almost done. Um, And this past week during our meeting, one of the best lines from the chapter we were on was that Jesus didn't just send help. He was the help. And our first lesson from the school of servitude is don't just send help, be the help. And I think the church has gotten too focused on sending help that we've forgotten to be the help as Jesus modeled for us. We rely too much on our finances or extra resources to be the help for us when Jesus clearly states that we are to be the boots on the ground help to our neighbors and those around us. Yes, sending financial help to missionaries and nonprofit organizations doing work to build the kingdom of God is good and important, but we can't let our money be the hands and feet of Jesus for us. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus taught about service, but he also lived out what it means to be a servant so we can follow his example. The student is not greater than the master. Don't just send help, be the help. And as you're working your way through that list of verses I showed you earlier, the second lesson you'll find from the school of servitude is that godly service to others always starts with love and succeeds through humility. When we look at the example of Jesus, we see that the initial reason he even came to seek and serve and save the lost is because of love. For God so loved the world that he would send his only son. And this seems like an obvious lesson to learn, but I think we can easily lose sight of it. I think we can often serve from a place of maybe obligation rather than a place of love. We can sometimes serve from a place of fear rather than a place of love. We we can even serve and do good out of a place of pride rather than a place of love. And any time service to others is motivated by something other than love, I think it loses its effect. 
I mean, tell me how this sounds, okay? Imagine I'm preparing bowls of cereal for my boys for breakfast. And as I'm preparing, I'm slamming the box of cereal onto the counter. I'm grumpy. I'm short and forceful with my boys, right? Get in here and eat, you heathens. Okay, I've never said that to my boys, just to be clear. But you get the picture. And so I shove the bowls of cereal in front of them and I say, listen up, I'm only making you breakfast because I have to. How do you think my boys or anyone would feel about my service to them? All right, fine, I'll make my own cereal if it's that much trouble to you, geez. Right? Or, or what if I asked my wife, if, you know, could you please make me a cup of coffee? And as soon as I ask, she gets up right away and hurries to make my coffee. She brings it to me when she's done and asks over and over, is it okay? Did I, did I do a good job? Are you happy with it? Oh, I only gave you one teaspoon of sugar and not two. Please, please don't be mad. Now, again, just to be clear, this has never happened in our house. Annette usually tells me to stop being lazy and make my own cup of coffee. Just kidding. Okay, but, but what do her actions say about why she's serving me? She's afraid. And how would you feel if someone served you in that way? Hopefully, you'd feel terrible and try to figure out why they are serving you out of fear. Or what about pride? What kind of effect does pride have on our serving? Service through pride rather than love conveys elitism. I'm doing this because I'm better than you, or I'm doing this because you can't do this for yourself, right? And anytime service to others is motivated by something other than love, I think it loses its effect, but it also loses favor from God. You see, we see an example of this in the book of Revelation. In chapter 2, Jesus is speaking to the seven main churches in the, in the first century world. And for each church, he highlights some good things they are doing and then some bad things they are doing. And he first addresses the church of Ephesus, which the church in Ephesus during the first century was amazing. Uh, the Christians in Ephesus were looked up to as examples and models for how to be the church. And in verses 2 and 3, Jesus highlights these good things, these acts of service and justice they were doing in their community. But in verses 4 and 5, he says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not... I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The church in Ephesus, even though they were serving and doing good things, they no longer served their community from a place of love. They no longer sought justice for the wrongs happening around them from a place of love. They had abandoned the love they had at first. And Jesus brings a sharp rebuke against them. He says, serve from the place of love, get back to that, or I will make you irrelevant, ineffective as the church in Ephesus. And get this now, 2,000 years later, if you go to the city of Ephesus, you will not find an active church, an active body of Christ there. The lampstand has been removed from its place. They didn't return to the love they had before. 
So serving from a place of love is crucial for effectiveness, but also for it to have favor from God. And serving from a place of love means that you regard the people you serve as worth loving. You you look at the people you serve just as Father God would look at them. You see the lives of those you are serving as just as important and valuable as yours. And how do you know the Father's love and the way Father God looks at his creation? Well, you start with scripture and prayer and worship, which informs and amplifies our service to others. Godly service to others always starts with love. And godly service to others succeeds through humility. What do I mean by succeeds? Well, service to others has a purpose. Because again, we don't just serve people from a place of obligation. I'm just doing this because Jesus told me to. No, our service to others is more effective when we know its purpose. And after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he explained that the purpose of this kind of service through love was to point other people to himself. He says in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So when we serve one another as as well as our neighbors around us in love, then we point them to the character of Jesus. We serve because Jesus served us. We love because Jesus loved us. We give because Jesus gave everything for us. Some might even say we die. We lay our lives down because Jesus laid his life down for us. So in order for our service to others to succeed in pointing them to Jesus, we have to serve through humility. And I love C.S. Lewis's definition of humility. He says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And yes, when we serve, we have to make sure we are thinking more about the people we are serving than ourselves. We have to make sure we aren't serving for personal gain or reputation. We have to serve so that others are elevated, not just just the people we serve, but also that Jesus is elevated through our serving. And I think we understand humility when it comes to serving other people, right? No one wants to be served by a prideful person because we know their motives are not selfless. No one wants to be used or taken advantage of under the guise of service for someone else's gain. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because how many times have you served someone and then posted a picture of the act on social media? What were your motives for doing so? Because when our service becomes a public display for people other than the ones we are serving, we move from humility into taking advantage of, which is actually abuse. So when you post something about the protests going on, when you black out your profile picture, if you decide to protest along other people, you better check your motives before doing so. And don't get me wrong, I want you to stand for justice. I want you to raise 
awareness. I want you to push back against corruption and sin, but if your motives are selfish in any way, you are an abuser and not a servant. And I know I'm coming down hard on this topic of service, but it's for a good reason, and I hope you hear my heart, because I think we like to think we have this service thing right, but like the church in Ephesus, if we get this wrong, then we risk losing our effectiveness as the church, as the body of Christ, which means people who need to hear and see the life-transforming, life-saving gospel of Jesus won't get to hear and see it. Humility is crucial in our service to others. Thinking of ourselves less and others more is crucial in our service to them. But again, it's not just about thinking more about the people we are serving. Humility is also thinking more about Jesus in our serving. And what I mean by that is is we need to humble ourselves and believe that Jesus knows how to serve people better than we do. When we look at the world around us and the hurts, the struggles, the needs that people are facing, we first need to ask, as cliche as it might sound, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus serve the people around me? Because when the disciples saw injustice by the Romans during their time, their idea of serving people, of serving the greater good, was revolt and uprising. When the Jewish authorities came to arrest innocent Jesus, which, which was an injustice, Peter thought he was serving Jesus by cutting off one of the authorities' ears. But Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, that that's not how we do things in my kingdom. And Jesus turned around and loved and healed the man's ear who was there to arrest him. And when it comes to serving through love and humility in the kingdom of God, we can't look at the world's way of serving We can't look at our own ideas of what it means to serve in our society because if it's the world's way or if it's our way, then it's not the way. And serving through humility means thinking of others more than yourself, but also being humble enough to say that Jesus knows the way better than I do. And when we serve people in humility, we don't want them to see us or the world. We want them to see Jesus. And so we must serve the way Jesus served. We must see his example and do as he does. And so godly service to others always starts with love and succeeds with humility. And the last thing I want to share, the last lesson from the school of servitude, is that loving and humble service grants us undeserved access. I want you to think about a typical spy movie or maybe even your favorite heist movie. You're you're like, where is Pastor Kai going? This seems like a pretty sharp and sudden turn. I know. Okay, but hang on with me in this turn. Okay, so in spy movies or heist movies, the main characters are often faced with a scenario where they're trying to gain access to some restricted area. They're, They're trying to get into some building without being noticed. How do they usually succeed in doing this? They just come out with guns blazing and they take over the place, right? No. In the majority of these movies, the main characters disguise themselves as what? As a janitor or a waiter 
or a guard or some kind of service personnel. Because the assumption is that service personnel have unrestricted access to places so that they can do their job. They're not going to be questioned about what they're doing. And even though these are movies, there's some profound truth to this as followers of Jesus. Because when you look at people like Joseph, Daniel, and Esther from the Old Testament, they were all held captive by foreign entities. They started out as slaves, but somehow made their way into positions of authority and power and influence in these foreign kingdoms. How? Did they scheme and connive and hustle and deceive and betray and revolt to get there? No. They assumed a position of humble servant. They submitted to their authority and served their captors and foreign kings. And they served not even for their own benefit, but for the benefit of who they were serving. They didn't deserve access to these places and positions, but they were granted access anyways because of their willingness to humbly and lovingly serve. And when we look at Jesus' life, he did the same thing. In order to make his way into the lives of tax collectors, drunkards, prostitutes, and the like, he lovingly and humbly served them. He healed their pains and forgave their sins. He called them up from the depths of guilt and shame to higher places of acceptance in the eyes of Father God. He gained access and influence into their lives in ways the religious leaders and authorities of their day couldn't. And there are people all around us that we are called to show and share the gospel with. People we have no right to have access to. There's no reason someone else should want to let me into their life to show and share the hope of Jesus with them. Whether that person is a government official or, or a person begging for money on the street. But if I serve them from a place of love and humility, I might be given the opportunity, I, I might be granted access to do so. Do you want access into people's lives to make a difference, to have an influence, to see change in our society and culture, to show them the hope and love of Jesus? If so, then take note from our biblical heroes and our Savior Jesus. Serve them in love and humility, and God will grant you undeserved access into their lives. Serve in love and humility, and we just might see the change we're looking for. And what I love is that we can flip this lesson around and we can really see the power of the gospel in it. Because when we couldn't access God because of our sin, when we were restricted from his presence because of our selfishness and, and rebellion, Jesus came and served us in love and humility. And it is through his service of love and humility, even to the point of death, that granted us undeserved access to our Heavenly Father. There is so much power in the loving and humble gospel. And it's that same kind of love and humility that we need in our world today to see it and the lives of the people around us changed. So what have we learned from the school of servitude as taught by the Master Jesus? Well, lesson one, don't just send help, be the help. 
What can you do with your hands and feet to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to serve others? Lesson two, godly service to others starts with love and succeeds through humility. Do you love the people you serve? And when you serve them, are you thinking about yourself less and more about them, but also more about Jesus and his way of serving? Please, please check your motives before you serve others. And finally, lesson three, loving and humble service grants us undeserved access. What change do you want to see in the world and in the people around you? When we look at Jesus and others in the Bible, we learn that the best way to gain access is through loving and humble service. Let me pray for you. Father God, we're just so humbled by the example of your son. We're so humbled that, that everything first starts with love. God, that you would first love the world so much that you'd send your son. And then that your son would come not to be served, but to serve. And that changed the world. And God, I pray that, that um, by the power of your spirit, by the influence of your spirit, you would encourage us right now to follow the example of Jesus, especially during times like we're faced with now. Father, would you help us to think less of ourselves or think of ourselves less and think of other people more? And not only that, but think of your way, God, the way in serving other people. God, I pray that you would humble us right now. God, I ask for repentance to take place in each believer's life right now. That if we've not loved, if we've lost our first love in serving other people. I pray that you'd help us to repent right now, to turn back to you and serve again from a place of love. God, for the sake of the church, but also for your glory, God, and for the sake of the people that we serve. And Jesus, we thank you that you would live, that you would die, that, that you would lovingly and humbly serve us so that we could be granted undeserved access to Father God again. We remember your gospel this morning and say, thank you. Would you lead us and guide us in our serving because of your gospel? And so we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you that we can see change, that we can see um, things happen for, for the greater good in our society when we just follow your way. And we ask for it in your name, Jesus. And so we love you, God. We look forward to the, the greater work that you're gonna do inside each and every one of us. And we say all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And so just like we've done throughout the, the past few weeks of our home church series, we, we want to leave you with some questions, um, some questions that will help foster discussion with the people that you're with right now, or, or maybe uh, for you to just ponder on throughout the week. And so here's question number one, and go ahead and take a snapshot of these or a, a photo of these so that you can discuss them with whoever you're with. But question number one is, what has been your biggest lesson learned from our home church series? 
Question number two. What do you think Jesus' way of serving others looks like in today's culture and climate? Number three, what fears or concerns do you have when it comes to serving others? What challenges do you face in serving others? And number four is less of a question and more of an action. But I think it'd be great for you to spend some time praying together and asking God to show you ways to gain access into people's lives so that you can share and show the love and hope of Jesus with them. Church family, thank you for joining us for this, this last and, and final week of our home church series. We, we truly do pray that it was a blessing for you. We, we pray that it amplifies your home life, that, that you're able to begin implementing these practices of prayer, of worship, of, of scripture, of serving others. And that when we're able to gather together again, that, that, that those moments at the church would just um, be additions to what you're already doing at home. And then the life change you experience at church through those would be in addition to what is already happening in your life at home. So thank you for joining us. Um, we love you guys. We pray that, that you do have a blessed week in this. And we just want to move into a, a, our time of a tithes and announcements. So three ways that you can continue to give here at CCA. CCA three ways that you can um, be uh, faithful in returning to God what is his. First, um, you can mail, send cash or checks still um, through the, the post office. Uh, the address is P.O. Box 566, Tucson, Arizona 85702. The other way, other two ways that you can give are online, centralcityonline.org. Um, you can give that way. You can choose where you want it to go. And then the last way is through texting the number 84321. And again, you, you guys have been so faithful to God, not faithful to the church, not faithful to some command, but just faithful to God. And I believe that he's blessing you through it just by the fact that you continue to give. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, the other announcement is, again, uh, make sure that you pastor your children. Um, we still have lessons online on our website um, that you can use to help your kids grow in their faith while they're at home. And we'll continue to provide those on our website from here on out. So go to centralcityonline.org, look at the middle of the screen, and you'll find everything you need there uh, to help your kids grow in their faith. And then, big announcement is next Sunday, June 14th, we want to invite all who are ready and willing and able to join us in gathering at our church building again. Our decision to reopen the building and have in-person gatherings again has come with much time, prayer, looking at the latest data and research findings, and also uh, considering um, the input that you gave based on the surveys we asked you to answer. And so next Sunday, we are reopening our doors with a few modifications. And we'll kind of list uh, some slides here for you to look at as we talk about these. But uh, first, we want to reduce the number of people we have gathered in one place. So we will have two gathering times, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. Each gathering will have the same worship and same message. The only difference is who will be in attendance. 
And as of right now, based on the surveys, we have 32 responses. And of the 32 responses, 27 are ready to return to the church. And 72% of those ready to return to the church, right? So the majority have said they prefer the 9 a.m. gathering over the 11 a.m. gathering. Uh, we would like to see that evened out a little bit. Uh, and since our goal is to reduce the number of people gathered together, uh, some of you who chose the 9 a.m. gathering, we're asking that you now choose the 11 a.m. so that we can kind of even it out. Uh, with that, we are limiting the number of seats we have in the sanctuary to allow for more space and distance for those who want to still practice distancing. Okay, so here's a picture of what the chair setup looks like right now. So you have an idea um, and you're not surprised once, we, once you join us on Sunday. What you see there is that there are over 70 chairs in the sanctuary right, right now. And we expect families and individuals who are comfortable to, to sit together. But if you would like to distance yourself, you can just leave a couple of chairs open between you and others and you're just going to have to communicate that. And also, per some of your requests, here are some distancing measures we will have in place at the church. Uh, for now, children will be in the main gathering with their parents. We'll provide rooms for moms to still nurse and soothe fussy infants. And we'll also have space for parents to take older children who might get fussy too. And we'll provide, whether it's a, a digital lesson that your kids can watch on a phone while the, the uh, you know, the message is going on or, or other activities that they can do quietly while the message is going on. We will also have hygiene stations throughout the sanctuary. Please practice good common sense hygiene. Um, we will sanitize all surfaces and chairs before and after each gathering. And things like coffee stations, communion stations, and water fountains, they're going to remain closed for now. Now hear this, masks are not required, but you are welcome to wear them. Uh, we will even provide some for you if you do not have one. We're also asking that you refrain from hugging and shaking hands unless you get permission from someone to hug them or shake their hands, which might seem awkward, but it's as simple as asking, are you hugging or shaking hands right now? And then humbly accepting their yes or no response. We're also asking that, that if you are sick in any way, if you have the sniffles or are coughing, even if it's unrelated to COVID-19, even if you feel fine, but you have symptoms, please stay at home and join us on Facebook or YouTube. If you are higher risk for contracting any illness, please stay home and join us online. With that, we are still going to live stream both of our gatherings for those who are sick or for those who are not ready or even able to return yet. Our live stream will be very similar to what we're doing for home church. And so if you are not ready to return to church, but you are willing to have people in your home, we would encourage you to continue doing so. Okay, we'll have condensed worship and messages to allow for the two gatherings. There will be people online to interact with you in the comments during the gathering. And we will have questions for you to discuss and think about like we did for home church. We want gathering or not gathering to be a blessing for everyone. So we'll work hard to ensure that your continued home church experience will be enriching and a, ble and a blessing for you.
please know that we haven't made this decision without much, much thought and prayer. I've even spent a few sleepless nights uh, trying to figure out what is best for everyone. And I thank you for your prayers and support during this unprecedented time. I mean, with so many different people in our church, with, with so many different views in our church, it was difficult to make decisions that best suited everyone. But I believe that this is the best solution and method moving forward. And I thank you for trusting me, Annette, and Pastor Josh to lead and shepherd you during this time. We don't take that for granted. And so if you have questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. I hope you have a blessed week and we so look forward to being with you online or in person next Sunday. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.